Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. This is the Friday edition of the Danny Mac show with BK and Tanner is our producer engineer and he decided to open up the mics. We were waiting for Tanner, man. You're you're are you sluggish today or what's going on? He here? told me this morning, oh, man, am, he man. was having a, a long morning. Really? He was having a tough yes. time getting out of bed. <laughs> Just a rough day for Tanner. I think he had three beers last night. Oh, man. Only had two, but yes, it was a rough morning for me. <laughs> rough morning for Tanner. Got it. Okay. Uh, we had Harrison Bader on the morning show. Loved it. Fun interview with him. If you're a fan of Harrison Bader, now you know why you're a fan. Yes, you are. I know Hand you're, on the, you're president of the Harrison Hand Bader crush. fan club. Man crush right over there. Total man crush. And if you're on the fence and you're kind of like, I don't know this guy. But if you listen to the interview, you're like, I'm pulling for that guy. I, I am pulling for that guy and I'm pulling for him. He's a good kid. He works hard. And uh, let's just hope he can hit against right-handed pitching. That'll be the key. And that's the key. And that's what uh, Mike Schultz said earlier today. He was talking about the splitty. That's that's the way that he refers to it. Yep. He's, he's a little splitty against righties versus the lefties. If he can even, he doesn't have to be great against righties, Dan, because his defense is so good and he is excellent against left-handed pitching. If he can merely be average or even slightly below average against righties, that is a guy that with this lineup, Adding in Nolan Arenado, having Paul Goldschmidt in there. If you can just bat him eighth every day or ninth, however you want to do it at the bottom of the order, and he gives you gold glove defense and center, that's perfect. You can live with that. You can have that guy be a part, a significant piece to a championship caliber team. It's when he's real bad against righties and you don't have the middle of the order. That's when some of the pressure gets put on him. I'd have no problem with a left-hander on the mound seeing Harrison Bader at leadoff. Absolutely. I think that that would work. His numbers bear it out. Minor leagues, college, Major League Baseball. He's been great against lefties. Can so ask, maximize that. Can I ask you a question about how the, the construction of this lineup could work? Because, and it's a little off the beaten path maybe, but I would love to see this team get back to stealing bases again. Yeah. I want to see them be more active on the base paths this year because Two years ago, they were third in all of baseball with stolen bases. Last year, they were bottom five in the league. Now, there are reasons why that was the case, and I think a lot of that goes back to just a strange season and so many doubleheaders. They were exhausted by the end of the year. Do you think they get back to that this year? They've got the talent to do it. Mike Schilt is a gambler to the point, BK, that in the minor leagues, he was running so much and hit and run and doing some of the things that we like to see with baseball, ball in play, action, activity. They would tell him, make sure that you don't steal with this guy because we want to see with the next guy behind him that they don't walk him because we want to make sure that the guy at the plate gets pitched to because we're trying to evaluate whether or not he can hit lefties, righties, whatever. How about that? That's they, had amazing. Pull, they had to pull the reins back. Um I'll tell you one of the things that Mike Schilt said that I love, love that he said this because I agree with him. He said at one point in talking about your point in question, he said, you know, baseball is supposed to be entertainment. You know, he goes, now, don't get me wrong. We're, we're doing a, like a Q&A. He goes, now, don't get me wrong. 
I want to win, and I want to win in the worst way as much as you do. And the guy next to me and the guys in uniform with me said, don't get me wrong. I want to win. That's what my goal is, is to manage games to win. However, you buy a ticket to be entertained. He said, and that's entertaining. He said, so if we have tells or if we feel that by watching the video or whatever, who is on the mound, who's behind the plate, those combinations, the times that they're getting, and we have the right personnel on base, we're running. And when he immediately took over for Mike Matheny, they cleaned up defense and they started to run. I mean, he almost got that team into postseason play. I'll never forget the game against the Rockies. It was a day game. He was running wild on them. And we hadn't seen that in years under Matheny. They just didn't run. And there are guys that he's got personnel to do that with. Probably at the top of the list, I'd say Tommy Edmond. Mm-hmm. If he's on base, Harrison Bader, Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas. There are guys that they have a chance to get back to that style of baseball. And you're exactly right. I think last year the team was just hanging on by a thread in terms of, uh, you know, tired legs, tired bodies, tired minds. And they're just like, look, we're going to sit back. We're going to do what we do. But that aggressive style of running was kind of thrown out the window. And you got to have the right personnel get on base. And at times that wasn't happening. So you, you got to consider that. So StatCast is doing this thing now where they do the the percentile for your sprint, spree, sprint speed, right? So compared to every other player in baseball, how many of them, basically, if there's 100 of them, if you set it on a scale of 100, how many of them would you beat with your speed? Tyler O'Neill's 99th percentile. Harrison Bader, 98th percentile. Lane Thomas, 98th percentile. Tommy Edmond, who you mentioned, 95th percentile. You have elite athletes on this team i would love to see them get back to utilizing them this year mike schilt spoke this morning and i think you're going to like this yeah no one will be in there um and he's excited about the opportunity we spoke the other day and kind of said his first week or so of games so yeah he'll be in there on sunday he's been fantastic everything is advertised you know clearly uh, um, a lot of different skill sets that are elite um, but he's also gone about it fit right in and just really enjoyed him being in and around with him and, and working with him. He's been a real pleasure. Nolan Arenado will be in the lineup on Sunday for the first Grapefruit League game. That'll be against Washington. We know that Jack Flaherty will make that start. So I know a lot of fans, they've been dying to see him and they want to see this guy in Cardinal Red. So your first opportunity would be on Sunday. That game will be televised noon on Fox Sports Midwest. A lot of people have been asking this morning, how are you guys going to do the game? Um, basically how we did road games last year we're going to be doing it virtually so we will not be at the ballpark but the image is coming back to us and uh, your chance to see nolan arenado i'm looking forward to that bk i'm looking forward to it as well and the fact that he is in this game and jack flaherty is going to be on the mound sound like a little bit of a dress rehearsal for opening day for you a lot of times at first game of grapefruit league action you see many of the the normal guys how now, do you think spring training then well uh, in terms of the lineup, if you were putting together um, the lineup, do you think that what we see on Sunday, is that going to be a hint in your opinion as to what is. we'll see on opening day? Yeah, I think it usually is. How do you think it sets up? If you had to guess today, if you had to project, okay, what do you think? Uh, Mike Schultz, these are thinking? always fun. Uh, I'm going to go at the top of my lineup. Tommy Edmond batting second for your hometown St. Louis Cardinals, Dylan Carlson. I would put Paul Goldschmidt third, Nolan Arenado fourth, 
Paul DeYoung would be fifth. Tyler O'Neill is sixth. Uh, seventh would be Yadier Molina. Eight is Harrison Bader. And then and pitcher ninth. Pitcher ninth. Uh, I'll be interested, too, usually until mm, about March, let's say the 20th or so, the DH is in play, so you'll get a position player to hit. Although the pitchers haven't hit for a year and a half. I was listening to something with... Uh... I wonder if they're going to do that, if they're going to have pitchers hit earlier just to try to get them some, you know, I mean, even just sacrificing, just seeing a live pitch. Jack Flaherty was talking, I think it was with Mike Claiborne the other day, and Claves asked him, you know, what? what's this like for you? You haven't hit in more than a year now. It, have you been getting some live pitch? What, what, What's working out for you when it comes to the hitting side of things? And Flaherty basically said, like, listen, it's going to be a learning curve for us. I mean, I haven't. He said he hadn't swung a bat basically since last March. Right. There Because there was no reason to because they, they had the designated hitter going into the year. And so he said that the only way that they're really going to be able to work on their timing is by actually seeing live pitching as pitchers. The problem, Dan, is in these spring training games, you know how this works. He'll probably see like 40 or 50 pitches. So you're probably going to see maybe three innings. He might get one appearance at the plate yeah. in this game. So it's it's going to be tough for these guys. I would be shocked if the pitchers are hitting in the first few weeks of spring training. However, at some point, you got to get them going because yeah. they got to see some pitching. Because so you don't want to see them get hurt. If you're doing a thing. movement that you haven't done in a year and you're not confident in it, that's where guys get hurt. BT yesterday talked about what we were just talking about. Dylan Carlson, could he lead off? But I like what he's talking about there. I like what he's talking about. The, the one that honestly strikes you again, right, thinking about somebody that kind of grew up in this game. But remember, he's a young player that's only got a handful of games under his belt. As he talked about that job, part of that job being a leadoff hitter is relaying information. That's something that like, you'd think a veteran player would think about. And, you know, he hit on the on-base percentage, a guy seeing pitches, but he talked about helping his teammates already. I, don't know, I just feel like this kid's got a veteran approach already. He's going to have to prove it. He's, gonna, he's got a, a tall bar to jump over, but I think the skill set's there for him. The skill set is there, and Dylan was asked about potentially being a leadoff guy. I, I just like playing baseball, so wherever, wherever they put me in the lineup, I'm happy to hit there, but... Um... You know, hitting leadoff is always great. Getting the, you know, getting the first crack at the pitcher, and you know, being able to help the team out—that's always great. Um, I've hit leadoff a decent bit in the minors, so you know, I've I've hit there before. You know, I think uh, leadoff's a real important position in the lineup. Absolutely, BT brings up a great point. Relaying information, you put that on the shoulders of the young man. But I, I like the fact that you get somebody in front of that you want to see good pitches too and can do some damage. That's why I would put Carlson probably second in front of Goldie and uh, Arenado. I think so too. The one thing we talked about this with uh, Alex the other day, I would be curious if Tommy Edmond, I hope this doesn't end up being the case, but if Tommy Edmond struggles at the top of the order and you have to kind of reconfigure things a little bit, maybe you do go with Carlson as your leadoff hitter. And then you remember with Tony La Russa, he used to say, I want danger in that, that number two hole hitter, yep. right? I wonder if they would consider putting DeYoung or O'Neal there to get them some more pitches to hit because then you're between Carlson and then coming up right after you, you've got Arenado and Goldschmidt. Could be an interesting configuration to the lineup there as well. I'm going to throw another one at you too that I think would be of interest and maybe on the table. The 618 says, Danny Mac, just a question. Why put Bader and his speed behind Yachty in the lineup? A couple reasons why. First of all, if it's a right-handed batter, I want him batting eighth. I've also thought about maybe putting Bader ninth. 
and the pitcher batting eighth. Now, because the, the lineups are going to roll over, and so essentially when it rolls over, now you're potentially your number nine guy is, is like a secondary leadoff guy. And if pitchers aren't going deep this year, maybe you have somebody in that eight spot that you can double switch or you look at that pinch hitting role as coming in in front of Bader. That's just something I'm thinking about. Yeah, I think there's definitely some thought to that. From the analysis that I've seen, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. So wherever he's more comfortable, I think, is what you do. If he feels more comfortable hitting behind the pitcher, put him there. If he feels more comfortable hitting in front of him, put him there. It's all about comfortability. He talked to you guys earlier today about how confidence leads to hits. Hey, Bader, where do you feel most confident? Are you better in the eight hole or the nine? Let's put you there. I'm good with whatever with him. Got to tell you about FanDuel. By the way, Bobby Witt is coming up, and he'll be our guest uh, at 1030. Is that correct, BK? That is correct. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Danny Mac, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's the Danny Mac Show <laughs> with PK on 101 ESPN. We'll be joined by former major league pitcher Bobby Witt momentarily. Dan, he has a son whose name is Bobby Witt Jr. He's pretty good. He happens to be one of the top prospects in all of baseball. He was at the Royals alternate site last year. I would love to get Bobby Witt's thoughts on what that was like for these guys. Cause I would imagine he's probably talked with his son about, you know, what were you able to get out of that? Um, and he's that's an one agent of, too. He is. That's one of the biggest questions that I have is, you know, what, what was that like for guys like Matthew Liebertor and Zach Thompson and some of the Cardinals top prospects? What were they able to accomplish down there? Uh, I'm fascinated too, asking him for fans that don't remember. And I can understand if you don't, but uh, he was also a member of the Cardinals I think it was 1998. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a pretty uh, unique year in baseball and sports, uh, certainly here in St. Louis, 98, the summer of 70. So we can talk to Bobby Witt, hopefully coming up at some point here in the show. Um, Anthony Stalter had a, a very interesting take yesterday. I love hearing what the other guys are saying, too. And I want to get into this, but he talked about Dylan Carlson and Paul DeYoung being swing players for the Cardinals this year. To me, DeYoung... And Dylan Carlson are you are your two swing players, so to speak. Those are the two guys that if they have big years, and you're already assuming that Goldschmidt and Arnado are gonna have, they're gonna do what they do. If DeYoung and Carlson, I don't even want to say I outperform expectations, but maybe live up to expectations, I think I think the Cardinals can go can go deep here. I would agree. I, I take it a step further, though. It's the outfielders. One of those guys has to step up. And if you get something out of those outfielders, then you got something. The other one that I would add, I would swap out uh, DeYoung for Edmund. I think if you get some, if you get Tommy Edmund looking more like he did in 2019 than he did last year, I think that's when you start to see this offense really take off because now you've got a bona fide leadoff hitter. With Danny Mack, I'm Brandon Kylie. It is Danny Mac- the Danny Mack Show with BK here on 101 ESPN. Let's now go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Bobby Witt, former Major Leagues uh, pitcher, is joining us here on the show. Bobby, thanks so much for the time today. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely thrilled to have you. So 
Your son, Bobby Witt Jr., is one of the top prospects in all of baseball, and he had the opportunity last summer to be a part of the Royals' uh, off-site summer camp, whatever you want to call this, the alternate camp. What was that like for him? How much how much work were they able to get done during that, and how how beneficial do you think that will be, not just for Bobby Witt Jr., but other players that were able to be in those alternate camps? Yes, I, I thought it was, you know, after talking to him, he, he felt like it was an outstanding opportunity. Um, the amount of time that he was able to spend up there facing guys that were coming down from the big leagues, guys that were triple-A guys, double-A uh, guys, and for what he was probably going to do last year to go out and play probably start in the low-A uh, season and hopefully get to a high, it, it, I think it exceeded his expectations. Um, because he was able to face that type of competition and also be able to play in some of the spring training games and be around the you know big league coaching staff, the managers. So overall, it, I, I think for him it was it was a great opportunity. Bobby, is it tougher to to pitch when you're on fumes and they got the the game winning uh, you know run at second base and you're still on the mound trying to gut through it, or is it tougher to watch your son play baseball and root for him? <laughs> well, I think I'm I think I'm his biggest fan to be honest with you. My wife and I, I mean, and, and the hardest thing for for us was uh, we were able to see one of the games they did on spring training, uh, well, the spring training 2.0, if you will. And, and got to watch that on the uh, on the computer, um, but you know, not being able to see him play for uh, since really 2019 has been it's been rough. But uh, we're going to have an opportunity hopefully this spring to go out to Arizona and watch him. But but I think for me, I would rather have that time run on there and <laughs> be in that situation myself personally because um, it's just you know it, it, it's exciting. But it, you know, you, obviously you're pulling for him. You know, you want him to have success, but. When he goes out and does well, I mean, it's all it's all worth it. I mean, it's just uh, it's a different feeling. There's no doubt about it. And I never really knew what guys were talking about. The guys that had sons that were going through this when they were a little bit older than me, and we were talking about it. And, you know, even if it was in high school or college, but you, you do you do have a different feel for uh, when it's your when, when it's one of your own. Bobby, I'm curious. You know, you mentioned the, your playing days, and you had a little brief stint here in St. Louis. You know, just the summer of '98. I think there were a couple of things going on at that time. What was your experience like here in St. Louis that summer? Um, I can tell you this. Uh, I mean, as far as pitching, it wasn't. Uh, you know, I was I was designated for assignment, and then um, I played for Tony for a little bit over two years in Oakland, and. He made a phone call just to check in on me and see how I was feeling, um, if I still felt like I could go out and compete. And I said, absolutely. So they ended up making a trade, and I went over there. And uh, it, it was it was fantastic. It was something that I've never experienced before as far as that fan base. And I'll tell you, it was the, the team wasn't playing well. We weren't in the thick of things by any means. But obviously, Mark was doing his thing. And I still think they drew over 3 million fans that year. And, and, the, you know, they just, they're, they're fantastic fan base. Um, I enjoyed my time, obviously, with what what's, what happened with, with Big Mac and all that was phenomenal. And um, just, you know, overall, you've always heard about St. Louis and, and how the, the fan base is just incredible there. They're always supportive of their baseball team. And I got to witness that firsthand, which was something really special. Bobby, uh, you have experience of being an agent at Octagon Baseball. Uh, how did you get involved with that, and what's it like, the player's perspective inside a sports agency? Well, I, 
I, I started this, uh, this is my 20th year doing this. And uh, the, the guys that represented me, Alan Nero and Scott Pacino, when I was with CSMG at the time, came to me when I was at the end and said, hey, will you, uh, we, we were thinking maybe this might be something you might be interested in. What do you think? I said, I, I don't know. I said, I don't know if I want to do anything right now. Um, so I went out to spring training, sat in on a couple of meetings, kind of saw what their day-to-day was and how they went about it. And um, I, at the time, had a place up at, the, up at the Cape in Massachusetts, and they said, hey, just go up there and watch that league and, and see what you think, use your eyes, and, you know, get a feel for who you think are good players, and ended up doing that. And I really enjoyed going out to the games, and it was, it was more or less scouting. Um, but then there's a lot more, so many more uh, hats that you wear when you become an agent. You know, you're doing so many different things. And um, from that point on, I really gravitated to it. I love being around the game. I love going out there and, and watching these young kids develop. And, and then when they actually get drafted and, and start their careers, you know, you're part of that. Not as much as the parents of that, but, you know, you have a little bit of an influence. And then when they get through the system, and finally get that phone call. I mean, it's like having one of your own kids uh, go through that, and, and it's really uh, an exciting time. And just over the years, um, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I really have, and, I'm, you know, I'm still doing it, so I, I guess that's a sign that I like it. So with, with your son, are you taking, like, 65%? Is it 70%? What, what are you doing there? <laughs> no, we, we, no, I'm not really doing anything on that one. That one uh, Actually, one of the guys I worked very close with, Scotty Pacino, we felt like last, well, when he was drafted in 2019, it, I, I felt like it would be better if he would be the point man on the on the whole thing. And rather than I didn't want to get too emotionally invested in this thing where I might say something that I wouldn't want to say talking to a scouting director, a GM, you know, and so... I let Scotty run with it, and um, it, it's been great. It really has. Well, if your son needs any representation, I'd be happy to get out of this business. And believe me, I think <laughs> I think I can make some money off your kid. He's going to be a hell of a player. So I'm, I'm all game for it. Don't, don't worry about that. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Bobby, we're talking to Bobby Witt, a former major league pitcher here on 101 ESPN, now a player agent as well. Bobby, it's been a strange offseason. It's been a strange time for baseball as a whole, and I would love to get your perspective on this. I mean, we all saw the comments from the Mariners executive just a few days ago about the service time situation. As a former player yourself and somebody who now works on the agency side of things, what do you make of kind of the current state of, I guess, the economic side of baseball? Where, where are we going with this? And obviously the backdrop to it all is the CBA negotiations next offseason. How do you view this through the prism of a former player and now an agent? Well, I think that, you know, as far as with what happened in Seattle, I think we all know in the industry that this has been going on for years. I mean, Time manipulation is something that we've seen. You know, Chris Bryant went through it, and they filed a grievance, and, uh, you know, he did not win the case. But, I mean, it goes back years, 25, you know, I mean, many, many years this stuff has been going on. And I think that the one thing that you take out of this is that ownership knew it. I mean, they, they knew what was going on. The players know what's going on. But now, I think now that it's out publicly, as far as fans and, and the person that just – watches the game a little bit. Now they know that this is actually a real. This is something. I think, uh, obviously, that with with the situation there, it obviously plays in favor, I think, of the players having this out. And I think that, you know, it, it's still going to continue. There's no doubt in my mind. 
I think the kid down there in Tampa, Wander Franco, is a tremendous player. To see you go through spring training this year, maybe one of the best players there, and this they could def- he could definitely help that Tampa Bay club in 2021. But this, uh, you know what, we're going to wait. I mean, that's something that, you know, we'll wait to see how that thing plays out. But hopefully, um, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, now that it's out there, I think, in the, in the public, uh, maybe it does help us as far as the, the, the player side of things. Obviously, there is a, an agreement that has to be um, made up made upon here at the end of the season. We'll see how those things go. I mean, as a player, I went through two works, uh, three work stoppages, a couple lockouts and a strike. And um, you, you hate to see it as a player, but but you know with what's been going on of late, you, there's some things that uh, I think that need to be adjusted. Um, and, and hopefully they can they can come to agreement. But if not, the player has to do what they have to do in order to um, you know continue having that union as, as strong as it is. We're seeing now shortstops are going to be uh, plenty come this offseason. Your son is considered one of the best shortstops uh, prospects in the game. How good, in your opinion, Bobby, and you played 16 years of Major League Baseball, how good is the talent, the athleticism now of this game, of this sport that we're seeing now as opposed to even 10, 15 years ago? Oh, it's it's amazing. I mean, I, I mean, you, you just look at some of the young talent coming up and I think that the game, um, it's gotten so much better. These kids, they work at their craft at such a young age, you know, at 14, 15 years old. And then you got Latin America, what these kids have been able to do down there, and they're, they're coming over here. And, you know, they, they come over here, and they're over here for a purpose, and they, they go out and play this game hard. And, and I just think, I think overall the bar has been raised so high that, if you want to go out and play, you really got to start doing these type of things and, and really focusing on your craft. And, and I, I'm just excited to, to be able to see these younger players get an opportunity. And it's nice to see that these teams are, you know, maybe listening to some of the veteran guys on the team and saying, hey, he needs to be a part of this team. I think it's, he's going to make us better. And, um, you know, it's it's not, not saying that, you know, there's a lot of, uh, players that haven't been playing that, that aren't as good, but I'm just saying it's exciting. You know, I think that that's, I think that's what the game needs, too. I think that, um, you know, it's in a state where, you know, there's not a lot of excitement going on sometimes when you go to a ball game. You're seeing, you know, both teams strike out, you know, between the two 20 times, and you're going to see, you know, multiple pitchers coming into a ball game, and a lot of times people used to go to watch those starts. And uh, the game, you know, it's changing, but I, I, I just like the way the game was was played a few years ago but i understand the numbers i understand the analytics and things like that but uh, but it's nice to see what's coming um, how these guys are going out and, and playing the game at, at an elite level at such a young age one of the guys at that position that i certainly enjoy watching and i think a lot of baseball fans have enjoyed watching the last couple of years is fernando tatis jr I would imagine as an agent, as a former player yourself, you kind of enjoyed watching a 14-year, $300-plus million uh, contract for a young 22-year-old uh, shortstop. What did you think of that, Bobby Witt? Yes. I thought it was fantastic, uh, not only for Fernando, but for the, for the Padres, you know, to be able to lock him up and, and have that much confidence in him. Um, it tells you what they think about him as a player, and I think, you know, obviously what the game – uh, thinks about him um, you know as far as the financial side of things absolutely um, you know and if, if teams are able to do that and, and can, can take that money and set it aside for that, that premium guy I think it's going to be great for the game obviously 
Hey, Bobby, really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. We're going to keep an eye on your son because we know he's one of the top prospects in the game, and he's a pleasure to watch. I've watched him play in the minor leagues. Stud. So looking forward to seeing that and announcing his name in Major League Baseball. And thanks for doing this. All right, guys, thank you for having me. I appreciate it and um, enjoyed the day. You got it. That's Bobby Witt, who played briefly here in St. Louis, former Major League pitcher and now an agent. And as we've talked about, his son, top prospect with the Royals, and you're going to hear his name an awful lot. It's interesting to hear him talk about how Bobby Witt Jr. enjoyed his time down in the alternate site. I've heard that now from a lot of these guys that were down there, and I, I know you have spoken about this as well. It seems like that may have been a better experience for these players than I would have otherwise expected because I was worried about that going into last season and most of the reviews seemed to be pretty glowing in terms of the work that they were able to get done. Made the most of it, right? I mean, best case scenario was to get these guys some work, get them with, let's say in Nolan Gorman's case, hey, you're working with Jose Okendo, you're working with the guy that is kind of the the godfather of infield defense and footwork and those kind of things. Matthew Libertor said, hey, I made the most of it because I got to take on guys that are probably going to be in the big leagues and they're on the cusp of it. And before I was at single A, he hasn't pitched above Mm -hmm. a ball. So, yeah, I think that you try to take the positives where you can. It wasn't ideal. You want competition. Bottom line, I mean, BK, these guys at at their core want to compete. Now, take the money out of it. Take everything out of it in, in terms of that stuff that's off the field. There's a reason they're there. They're highly talented. They're great athletes, great players, but they love the competition. And I'm sure, like a guy like Liberatore, he told me, he goes, man, I just cannot wait to get on the mound and face somebody in a different uniform. Like, I can't wait for the competition and be involved with that. So we'll see some of that coming back this spring, I'm sure. I mean, this is, for for some of these guys, I mean, Matthew Liberatore, Nolan Gorman, this spring training, these games that they're about to play, it's the first time they've seen an opponent since this time last year which is a wild thing to say, but I mean, we're about two weeks now from the time when stuff started getting shut down last year. So we're coming up on the one year mark of these guys. The last time that they saw somebody in a different uniform. 12th, March 12th was when we were the final game, I think in North America that day. So we went to the ballpark and we're trying to figure out, we had heard rumblings and it was the night before was, I believe with uh, Rudy Gobert Mm -hmm. and you know, you're seeing everything starting to shut down and, we were before our first pitch, BK, I'd say 10 minutes, and we really weren't seeing players on the field. And now the fans are getting in the stadium and everything's going on like a normal day to prepare for the game, except while you're there to see the players. And they started kind of trickling out. And by the middle of the game, that's when we heard this thing's going to be shut down at 3 Eastern, I think it was. We were we were trying to figure out, are we even going to finish this game? Like, are they just going to pull everybody off the field, kind of like they did at Oklahoma City, and pulled everybody off the, the, the court? Well, and there were some college basketball games. There were college That's basketball right. tournaments, their conference tournaments that were going on. And I think it was the Big East, if I'm not mistaken, was the last one that was yep. going. And they literally, at halftime, were like, this is silly. Why are we even doing this? And so they... they canceled the game at halftime for that one to your point i was in the lunchroom which is where a lot of the the scouts go and it's great during spring training you sit down with scout you're having lunch and you're saying hey what do you see out of this guy and that guy it's and great scouts love talking that's oh, the yeah. thing that people might not realize is they they do it anonymously yes. they, they don't want to be put on the record with their name but they are more than happy to tell you some things and you've got guys from all different teams and they all know each other they're tight-knit group mm-hmm. and they're talking kind of comparing notes and stuff and i went over to the tv and i was looking up and i think it was the acc tournament 
where they had shut it down like at halftime of a game or something. I'm thinking to myself, why are we here? I mean, this is crazy. There's no way we're going to – if they're shutting down all this other stuff, it's not going to be like one league says, well, we're just going to plow forward with this. And it was just the oddest game that we were ever a part of because then it started trickling out around on social media, people on their phones – Let's say it was so. It was one Eastern, probably by two thirty, midway through that game. Mm-hmm. Of this is going to end, and they're going to clear everybody out. And I mean, they cleared everybody out. They told guys, "Don't come back tomorrow." It was just crazy. I remember crazy. a lot of guys were like, well, "I'm, I'm driving home." I think it was Gallegos. Was it? Wasn't he the one that drove all the way home to Mexico? Yeah. in his car. Yep. I mean, it it was it was unlike anything we have literally ever seen before. I will never forget the day that that was all taking place. It was. I, I had been here for probably three weeks at that point, uh, having been hired in early February. And, and you would call me to do the hits and say, and I would tell you, don't ask me about Dylan Carlson. <laughs> That's right. I don't know. And it was me, Stalter, <laughs> and Jamie Rivers, and we were out at Centene, and it was, you, you just start getting like, hey, the Conference USA basketball tournament has been canceled. Oh, the Masters just sent out a release. They've been canceled. All of the spring training games have been canceled. It was one of the most unbelievable days that I have ever had in radio because every two, three minutes, you'd look on Twitter and another sporting event had been canceled. It's what it's crazy that it's almost been a year since then. Now. And it's great news, though. We're getting back to sports and mm-hmm. things are starting to open up and the numbers are coming down. So they're going to have uh, 1,500 people in the ballpark on Sunday for opening day in Cincinnati. They're trying to get 30,000, I'm sorry, 30% capacity uh, for the great American ballpark. So we're going to have some fans in the stands, which is going to be better than what we had last year. I mean, baseball can be a game where you sit back and you're just kind of relaxing, right? And you know, you're enjoying your day and having a beer, you're having your soda, you're having your popcorn. You're kind of sitting back enjoying the game. We need fans. Uh, We need fans. We need it in the worst way. One of the things we're going to talk about when we come back, the biggest surprises in the offseason of Major League Baseball. Now, this has been on Tanner's rundown sheet for at least two weeks. And I've told him, I said, man, keep putting it in there because there's some really good stuff I want to get into. So we'll have some fun with that when we come back. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. I think this is kind of fun. I've been wanting to do this. Then we get going on different things, and I'm like, oh, I forgot to do this. Tanner then gets mad at me and says, you better do it. So I'm doing it. Tanner, is that a fair assessment of the situation? I haven't gotten mad. Okay. Frustrated? No. In fact, I just go copy, paste, boom, it's there for tomorrow. <laughs> Tanner's like, you're saving me a little work. This is great. <laughs> I love it. At least he's honest. All right. So what was the biggest surprise to you this Major League Baseball offseason? MLB.com came out with the top 10 offseason surprise list. And this is no particular order. And I want to see what tickles your fancy here, BK. Rockies really did trade Nolan Arenado. White Sox hiring Tony La Russa. Blake Snell, you Darvish both dealt, by the way, to the same team. Yankees and Red Sox made a deal. So they actually made a deal with two rivals. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen a lot, but sometimes it does. Brad Hand's deal with the Nationals. I think he got $10.5 million to close eight. Yeah, uh, he ended up getting basically what he should have had when he was DFA'd, and any team in baseball could have had him. Uh, one of the most aggressive teams this winter, the Royals. Hell yeah, it was. Kevin Gaussman uh, received the qualifying offer. Justin Turner uh, announced his own free agent destination on Twitter. 
And Ryan Tepera received a National League MVP vote. He just, by the way, signed with the Cubs this morning. So those are the 10. Uh, your most surprising, and I, I'd love to get some uh, listener feedback as well, 65780. So I've got my top three listed. My no, most surprising thing for me was Tony La Russa is back in the majors as a manager again. I didn't see yeah. that coming. I, I mean, I maybe there was somebody out there. I know the people that we've talked to that know Tony well aren't stunned that this took place. I'm not I get stunned. It. I'm surprised somebody hired him at this age. I'm just surprised that it happened. Yeah, so I, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I can't wait to see what the White Sox are able to do. That was my most surprising move. Number two for me is a clear-cut Nolan Arenado. It actually happened this time around. We've been hearing about this for three, four, five years. So follow-up, are you surprised it's with the Cardinals? Absolutely stunned. Now, it made all the sense in the world. If you look at what the Cardinals need and what Nolan Arenado brings to the table and the money that the Rockies were now willing to throw in there, everything about it was this is the natural fit. Of course, it's the Cardinals. But we had heard it for so long that it almost started to feel like it's Groundhog Day. Of course, we're doing this again. So my number two most surprising thing, Arenado is traded to the Cardinals. And number three for me. I'm stunned that there's no DH that's been announced so far in the National League. I can't believe we're actually doing this. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised because this is how Major League Baseball negotiates with the union right now. But for me, Tony La Russa hired, Arenado traded to the Cardinals, and no DH in the National League. That's my three most surprising things of the offseason. Yeah, and I didn't even mention the no DH in the MLB.com offseason surprise list and that's a good one i mean that should be you're right in your top three it just makes so much sense and the thing is both sides want it that's that's why i don't understand well i guess it pulls back the curtain a little bit to how much these guys do not like each other and there's the distrust factor going into the cba and if if you ever need an example there it was um i think if this list would have come out in the last week the Seattle situation with their president and CEO might be number one. As Bobby Wood said, this has been known in the game in terms of service time and manipulating that. But to have someone on the record and talk about it is it's just incredible that that gets out and it's on the record. It's there for everybody to see and listen to and watch. And it's it's going to be going into the CBA the minute that they start negotiating and the Players Association gets frustrated. They say, well, here you go. Here's Exhibit A. You're doing it. And people talk about it. He mentioned Chris Bryant. There have been plenty of others, but that's bad. I mean, it's so bad. And, you know, you think about from a team's perspective, they have players that they talk about like, hey, maybe we shouldn't bring this guy up. We can wait, you know, the the allotted time, then bring him up. That uh, saves us X amount of dollars for budgeting going forward in year three from now and year five from now. Throw that out the window because the Players Association is going to go right at you on this stuff. Yeah, he said the quiet part out loud. That's what happened. Like, we all knew this was taking place. You you know how the sausage is made. You just pretend like it's not being made behind that closed door back there. And now an executive who was making those decisions, or at least was a part of the conversations that led to those decisions, said it out loud. Like, hey, you... You're not allowed to do that, man. This is the thing that you, that's the third rail. You're not allowed to mention what's going on over there. Look over here. Don't mention what's going on over there. And for whatever reason, he decided this was the day. This was the moment when he's going to say the quiet part out loud. And now it's all out there for all of us to see. And that will absolutely be used in negotiations. What was already going to be super ugly, Dan, 
might have just had one more th wrench thrown into it to make it even uglier. PK, could you imagine if you're a GM or president oh. or an owner waking up and seeing that? You got to be furious. You got you furious. have to be furious. Uh, this is from the 636. Nothing personal against Tony, but I hope he loses every single game. <laughs> Could have had a dynasty here in 2000, or after 2011. I'll stand and applaud him when he comes to Bush Stadium, but I hope Chicago experience is a crash and burn. I think it was the right time for everybody after that. It was a clean break given the, the Albert Poole situation. It, it was the start of a new era for Cardinals baseball. I, I think it was fair. I'd say this. I Well, I've talked to Tony about this, and... He said, man, if I would have known Carlos Martinez is coming, <laughs> um, Trevor Rosenthal's coming, there's a few other guys pitching-wise that were pretty good. Seth Manis was another one. He said, I don't know. Maybe I'd give that a run back, you know? That, that would have been something to see. Lance Lynn? Lance Lynn was coming into his own part of 2011, but mm -hmm. you knew the transition was going to go to the and rotation. a really good pitcher. Still is a very good pitcher. He was an all-star. And, you know, if you would have said to him, Albert's leaving, but we're going to supplant that with Berkman coming back, which he was under contract and go out and get Carlos Beltran. He says, yeah, I got a pretty good chance to win. I might do that. It would have been interesting to see. It would have been. I, I think he was that. I don't know. Burnout is the right word, but it, to your point, maybe the time had come just to kind of move on and, and next chapter with the Cardinals. And the other thing is baseball was changing where the manager was having less say. And I don't know if that was taking place here specifically at that point in time, but it eventually did where the manager has less say GMs have a little bit more say. And I think that's why it makes sense in Chicago is because Tony's going to have, I would imagine a bigger say there. His voice is going to carry more weight because it should. He's Tony LaRusso, of course. Um, but the way that baseball is now trending, the manager kind of makes the day-to-day -day decisions, but even there, Sometimes GMs have a little bit of input oh, yeah. on where a guy is placed in the lineup. So I I think it made a lot of sense that that ended up happening the way that it did. 636, what about the Marlins GM? First female general manager in the sport. That's a good one. That's a big story. Opens up a lot of doors, you would hope. And there's plenty of people that can do this job. It doesn't need to be a former player. doesn't need to be Harvard-educated or Ivy League-educated person. Uh, if you're qualified, you're qualified. Man, woman, it doesn't make the difference. If you're qualified to do the job, should be put in that seat and held to the standard of what that organization wants him to do. Another one from the 636, Dan. Most surprising thing to me is that Harrison Bader is still named a guaranteed starter this early on in spring training. Sorry, BK. I don't think is it's it a surprising. Uh, I would think so. Well, I think he gets the first shot. Yeah. So maybe on opening day, but, you know got to produce it, absolutely and he knows that listen i'm the biggest harrison bader stand that you'll find i've never heard that he he needs to hit better against righties like i i can admit that i am open and honest about what his faults are as a player and he certainly has some that is the biggest he struggles against right-handed pitchers i don't think i i would be curious your thoughts on this dan are you surprised that they actually stuck to their guns and decided we're going with the young guys in the outfield because i think for a lot of cardinals fans that would probably be a little surprising. I, I'm not, especially after the Rosarena deal. I, I bet if I was in that seat, I'd be a little gun shy. Now, you're going to hit with some, you're going to miss with some. But right now, that one is a tough one because if he would have performed like that for you, now you're not having this conversation of who's going to play left, who plays center. Can Carlson be that guy? You, you go, well, we got this Rosarena guy. He's pretty good. That one got away. 
And Moa said that out loud. Yeah. He said it in his press conference. I believe it was in December. It was the same one where he said January is the new December. Right. He said, listen, we saw uh, Randy Rosarena, a guy that we clearly didn't get enough opportunities for, go off. And when given those opportunities, he was unbelievably successful. We don't want to have that happen again. And so, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense that they're going to do this with the young outfielders. I also wonder if we're going to see guys like Nolan Gorman. He's moving around now to be able to create that opportunity. So it doesn't happen with him. They don't trade him before they find out, is this guy a star who could have played elsewhere? Yesterday, Dan, he was taking fly balls out in the outfield. Yep. We're going to see that moving forward. No doubt. A guy like John Nagowski, who I know uh, people laugh at me. He's got a really good bat to ball profile. I don't laugh. He's really good. I think he's great. Let's find not, out if he can play I, a little bit in the outfield. Let's I, not have the Luke Voigt situation where he goes elsewhere and mashes for somebody. When I say great, I mean putting bat to ball. Yeah. And he's the anti-modern player where draw a lot of walks, doesn't strike out, doesn't hit for a ton of power, but puts the ball in play. And there's something to be said for that. They're creating opportunities where they need to be created for young guys to find out exactly what they can give them. And I think that's admirable. Now, for the next three hours, I'm going to be in my basement with the app on listening to you and Ferrario. Well, I appreciate that, Dan. What you'll be able to hear coming up today <laughs> is I'm going to butcher this name so many times. Dom Luzenchinzen. From The Athletic, he does a bunch of numbers stuff over there. He wrote about Jordan Cairo. He has written about, he has Justin Falk right now, second in the Norris Trophy candidacy. We'll talk to him about all of that in the Blues power play issues coming up at 12.15. Former Major League reliever Jeremy Offelt is going to join us coming up at 1 o'clock. And we will open things up with what we're watching for on Sunday, the first spring training game of the season. What do you want to see? What's the number one thing you want to see on Sunday? We'll get into that coming up here in about five minutes or so. Looking forward to that. Tanner, great job. We'll talk to everybody 10 on 101 ESPN. We'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.